he rangita matafaiti, he rangita matafanui. The person with a narrow vision sees a narrow horizon. The person with a wide vision sees a wide horizon. Ena iwi o te motu tēnei te mihi ki a tātou katoa, nau mai ki tēnei hōtaka a te heikā. Ko Maraia Rakraku ahau, I'm Maraia Rakraku and you're with Radio New Zealand National's Kaupapa Māori program, Te Ahikā. Last week, Māori gathered in Rotorua for Huia Te Reo, the annual Te Reo Māori Awards hosted by the Māori Language Commission, Te Tauraferi i Te Reo Māori. Before the awards night, they had a language expo, basically a get-together of people and businesses doing whatever they're doing to grow the language. Paul Ransfield was there with his online business, Kapai TV, a project which combines self-directed learning, te reo Māori, and technology. As a technologist, um, I'm really interested in the fact that um, you can use one resource many, many times. And that's the difference now with internet, say, even compared to radio, where um, it's hard for radio to reach beyond the distance of its transmitters. Uh, I'm interested in uh, demonstrating the power of the schedule, and the schedule is what radio enjoys. So we know that the show is on at 6pm. Well, I also know that my learning content targeting food and recycling is on at the moment at 6pm. That's coming up. We'll also review the final album, 99AD, from those Polynesian boys of which grow up over the years, Nisian Mystic. Nisian Mystic may be famous in New Zealand, but another guest in today's Te Ahika is also well-known overseas. Soccer player Winston Reid was back in the country earlier this week for the All-Whites game against Paraguay and Wellington. I stalk, I mean I gained some insight into celebrity culture in my drive to get an interview with the football player. I'm now making my way to Wellington Airport to uh, meet up with Winston Reid. Apparently he knows that I'm coming, but I'm feeling a little anxious because uh, the media spokesperson didn't seem particularly confident that he knew I was coming. So it seems all those seven days of chasing the story is coming to an end, and it'll all end at the airport when I finally get an interview with Winston Reid. Last night they played against Paraguay. The game did not go well. The All Whites Paraguay game did not go well. Uh, But today Wellington's turned on a beautiful day and in a few moments I should be arriving at the airport and arriving to an interview with Winston Reid. It's five past twelve. I've been told he is on a flight at one o'clock. I'm feeling a little bit of a stalker actually Uh, and at the moment I am standing underneath the clock on the pathway between the ticket counter and Whitcalls to see if I can spot him. Can't see any All Whites fans standing around because I'm going to have to nab him as he walks past. 20 past 12, still waiting outside Whitcalls. There are police around and a policeman with a dog has just walked past. 
I have not spotted any white. I haven't spotted any New Zealand whites fans anywhere. Guess it helps that it's school term time, so there are no kids about. Kia ora, Winston Reid. It's Mariah Rakaraku, Tahika, Radio New Zealand National. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you feel that you're a role model for Māori in terms of football? I try to be, um, but you know, if they use me or any other Māori, so that's fine. But you know, I try to be. You are one of the few Māori that have made it to the league you're up to, though, at the moment. Yeah, I know that. Um, you know, obviously, there's it's it's good to be up there, but you know, I want to achieve more things, and I hope I can develop as a player and as a person. And Winston Reid, how do you feel about? I mean, how do you keep it real? I mean, how do you how does your head not get turned by all the attention and you know all the money? I think that's what you have a, a, a family for um, to help you out. So um, that's what they do best. So you've got Fano here in Aotearoa as well as Fano in Denmark. Yep. Firm in both places. So, uh, I mean, it's just a flight away to Denmark, but it's not so much to Aotearoa? No, well, it's nice to be home and everything, but um, yeah, it's, you know, as you get the best of both worlds. You know, when you left Aotearoa, how old were you? Uh, ten. And you were playing football when you, yep. when you left? So, do you think that you would have felt the pressure to turn to uh, rugby at any time? No, no, not really. I mean, like, I can do whatever I want, so I chose to play football. OK, so being Māori, do you end up having to pull out the haka? Uh, I haven't done the haka in a long time, so um, I have to brush up on it. You haven't romanticised being Māori, have you? No. No? no <laughs> OK, I'm going to have to give you my card, because I can see there's heaps of people around here wanting to talk to you. <laughs> How are you? Hi. Oh, jeez. Go through and I'll catch up with you. I think. Yeah, I'll catch up with you. I know you're on call. Are you? Yes, yeah, so now are you going to relax and talk to me properly? You made a shirt signed. Yeah. By your cousin? Yeah. Don't you think that's weird? Yeah, I got pink. She's got a pink pen. I've got pink pen. Lean it on me. Winston, do you get sick of signing stuff? Mm-hmm. No. Do you get sick of media? Yeah. You do, eh? Yeah. Not the Māori ones, though. Oh, no, they're good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whānau. Oh, Kia ora. Kia ora, Kevin. So, Winston's your nephew. Hi. Yep. And did he show promise when he was a young fellow playing football? Um, well, probably football wasn't his game. It was golf and, oh, yeah. and rugby. Um, picking muscles. Oh, that was just weird. How does it feel for you when you see how um, how much of a impression he's making on the world stage? Oh. Does it kind of trip you out a little bit, uh, saying like, "Oh, there's my nephew." Yeah, it's beautiful to watch, uh, especially for uh, Taitama Māori. I think it's. For young Māori kids, for role modelling, it's, it's fantastic, especially having also other Māori amongst them, uh, Rory and Leo and uh, Jeremy Christie. Really good, really Do you good. think you would have had this kind of success if you'd stayed here in Aotearoa? Um, possibly not, no. What do you think that is? Uh, um, 
I think that has a lot to do with uh, New Zealand sports culture. New Zealand sports culture um, is traditionally orientated around rugby, um, those main sports, and soccer is a developing sport in the country. And I suppose when someone's lucky enough, when uh, Prue moved to Denmark, that she um, there's no rugby played there, there's no golf played there. It gets too cold for that, so soccer was the um, the gradual way that he went. And yeah, he embraced it. They embraced him, putting him through all the academies, and this is where he is today. And he accepts who he is, and he wants to help other people too. It's a big thing to carry, though, eh? Aye. You know, the hopes and dreams of all these Māori kids. It is. Especially because, you know, most Māori kids tend to go into rugby and then league. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm. But then I suppose the burnout time of those kids who are playing those hard contact sports is huge. Not to say that what he's playing over in England isn't um, a great demand on the body, because it is. It's a lot harder on the body. But... Um, he knows he has to step up from the Danish league up to the English league. And, yeah, that's the top of the world in soccer. If, if you want to be there, he's chosen to be there. So. Yeah. Not bad for a Māori boy, right? Uh, can't wait to play. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll let you let go with your phone, <laughs> So Winston's your nephew? He is. Yep. And how old are your tamariki? Um... Nearly 14 and 11. So I heard you say before to him that now uh, you can take a photo with them because you're not sure people believe that they were his cousin. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They get all sorts of, you know, oh, he can't really be your cousin, but, uh, you know, yes. no, they have proof. They know in here, though, so that does, that's all that matters. Actually, I can see a finer resemblance oh, here between them all. Oh, I know. Very strong. No, it's oh, good. look, I can see he has to go. He does. Yeah, no, oh, it's just so, nice to be able to catch up with him. It's just so hard to grab a moment with him because he's, you of know, course. he's hot property. Did you go to the game? Yes, we did. Very excited. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, he's hot property. All right, look, I can see he wants to say hello to you guys. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe he'll come okay. back and talk to me. <laughs> I'm going to go say think goodbye. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank okay, you. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Winston, next time, remember my face. Uncle's mate. <laughs> Well, getting that interview was very difficult. Um, you're in an airport, it's busy, people are surrounding him. It's a bit like being a, with a rock star, I think, uh, the way that people are looking at him when it helps that he's incredibly tall and handsome. But you know what? It actually helps that I'm a friend of his uncle's because as soon as he learned that, he relaxed. Even then, hard to concentrate. But he's a professional, he's used to it. After interviewing Winston Reid at Wellington Airport, I then talked to Philip Parker of Māori Football to get some context into just how big a deal it is that we've got a Māori boy playing at that level of sport. I'd like to know your views about how Māori football players can make it into the type of league that... Winston reads that. I mean, he's playing at English Premier League level. How does that happen? How does a Māori kid get noticed like that? Um, basically, being being in the right environment. Basically, um, Winston Winston was um, 
was one of the lucky ones that was able to go and live in a country where football was the, was the number one sport. Um, obviously, um, his stepdad, uh, being Danish and that, helped with all that process. So basically, they moved to um, Denmark. Um, and therefore, obviously, Winston's um, natural talent was then identified and recognised, and then he was put into an academy um, at, at their local club. And basically, from that point... Um, Winston basically proved himself, you know, and developed his natural ability, and obviously was recognised through the debt to the Danish um, age group levels, and he represented Denmark um, at um, I think uh, 17s and 19s and 21s. Um, so, so for 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 a lad like Winston, it's about being in the right place at the right time, and then obviously having the talent as well. Absolutely, absolutely, but also having the right um, programs around to help him to develop um, his natural talent to the level of professional. Sure. Yeah. So I guess, say there was another boy, Winston's age, he stayed in New Zealand. How far would he rise up the ranks? And would it be possible to actually be based here and then rise up the ranks towards English Premier League? Um, it's possible. Um, it is possible. Um, if you took a look at um, another example in, in um, Ryan Nelson, Ryan Nelson um, didn't actually get, um, didn't actually crack the English Premier League until he was in his late 20s, and he went through an American university track, and he spent some time in New Zealand. So he, he kind of started in New Zealand and then um, had to go a, a different route because he lacked. Um, he lacked heritage, so he wasn't able to access the UK market straight away. Um, so in terms of a kid, say, in rural New Zealand, um, thinking, um, how far away am I? Um, I guess locally we need to take a look at um, what pathways are available to one identify a naturally talented kid um, and then have a look, how do we in New Zealand help them to start to develop that, um, that talent? Um, Knowing that there is a pathway to possibly take them offshore um, that may not have to be so heavily reliant on passports and residency criteria and things like that. And Australia and America seem to be um, those easier pathways to access. So eventually, Phil, Phil Parker, you have to leave the country. Um Yes and no. The the no part is um, the no part is that we've got an, a professional team here in New Zealand in the Wellington Phoenix, um, who play in the Australian um, Hyundai A League, um, which is a professional league. Um, now we do have one. We do have one professional team. The problem with that is we've got one professional team and probably about a hundred thousand kids wanting to get into that one team. Um, so, as you can see, the the numbers are already stacked against it. So if we possibly had maybe two professional teams, then that just increases the chances of access into a professional environment um, a lot easier. Um, I guess really we need to be taking a look at um, where would the closest professional environment be outside of the, out, outside of the, the Phoenix would be Australia and possibly taking a look at um, 
you know, um, trying to move kids to Australia and um, looking for opportunities in, in some of the A-League clubs in Australia um, as a closer closer neighbour. Um, so I guess I guess in a roundabout kind of a way, um, yes, if you want to reach to that top professional level, um, you are going to have to leave the country at some point. Kia ora, uh, Philip uh, Pickering-Parker, Taku Ingoa. Um, my position in Māori football is um, technical director. I'm Mariah Rakuraku and you're listening to Te Ahika. When it started out, the band Nisian Mystic was just a bunch of Polynesian kids living in Auckland. Most of the lineups pretty much the same now as it was all those years ago. There's Te Awanui Reader. He's one of the vocalists and he's joined by Filiti Saber Strixen Pua, Donald Old One McNulty, Junior Junes Rikio, David Damon Atai and Heath Notique. Now on their fourth and final album, the boys are calling it a day. Well, for now. As part of uh, Tiahika, we have our book and review segments, um, otherwise known as uh, Te Wete Wete. With me in the whare, I have uh, Alex Barnes. Kia ora e hoa. Tēnā koe. He is part of the review team, and we are here to review Nisian Mystic 99 AD. But before we get into the kōrero, Alex Barnes, um, me kōrero hia mai tō pepeha e hoa. Ah, ka pai, tēnā rā koutou katoa. Uh, ko Alex Barnes tōku ingoa, uh, nō tauranga moa nā hau. As I mentioned, Nisian Mystic 99AD for anybody that lives under a rock. Alex Barnes, who are Nisian Mystic? Nisian Mystic, um, well, they've been around for a while, as you say. Uh, if you're living under a rock, break out of that rock. <laughs> Um, Nisian Mystic have been around since the late 90s. Um, they, I guess they came to prominence in 2000 after releasing their debut album. However, they were starting creating a storm, really, um, within the high school scene um, with their smoke-free um, involvement. Um, they're basically a collection of different Polynesian performers mm. um, of different, um, I guess, different parts of the Pacific. So we have Māori, Tongan, Samoan and Cook Island um, MCs, producers, and um, they've been getting together for the last 10 years to make positive, conscious music. Um, and they're around my age, I guess, in their late 20s. Nisha Mystic Art, Tiawanui Reader, Filiti Strixen Pua, Donald McNulty, Junior Rikio, Rikio uh, David Atai, and Heath uh, Manuko. Mm-hmm. And this. Is their farewell album. Yeah. Should we be crying, Alex? Well, we should be. I mean, this is quite a big deal. They've released four um, four albums, and this is their final, like you say. Um, and I guess it's a farewell to a solid group that has really shaped the hip-hop R&B scene in New Zealand and made it really New Zealand-specific. So, I mean, the name, Nisian Mystic. Nisian. I mean, it speaks, right? Yes. So um, it is a sad... It's a sad... I guess thing, but it's also like, well, they've done their time, ten years, over ten years, and in the, in the industry, creating great music, great vibes. So, uh, you know, things change, and they're obviously going to yep. go do some other things. They've so. matured along mm. the way, as with their music. I mean, I remember, I think it was like two thousand and one, when uh, Polysaturated was mm-hmm. released. They were setting the tone in terms of what could be infused, if I can use that kupu word with uh, Polynesian sounds and rap beats. That's right. So, yeah. And I think Shefu had a huge influence in that too, being from Grey Lynn and stuff. I mean, 
really um, drawing off that urban experience uh, of Polynesian young people. And so Shefu being a mentor, that really infused, like you say, their, their sound. And that's been great to hear. Yeah, because I think my anthem back in those days was like, it's on. Who didn't play <laughs> it's on, man? Anyway, that's, uh, you know, that's 10, some 10 years ago. Yeah. Talking about Nisian Mystic 99 AD, their final farewell album. Alex is our reviewer. What did you like about the album? I think I think that in general the the record sells along really really well. There aren't many big surprises. Um, it's pretty safe in their formula. It's an R and B type um, record um, with some with some good raps in there too. Yeah, and they've got a bit of their social commentary, so that's continued on. Um, there's some really nice uh, tracks in here. If I if I can just give a couple out, um, I thought from now is a really great track. It's got some awesome lyrics. Of course, "Sun Goes Down" is the hit single. That was the first one to was that the first one to be launched off the album. Sun yes, goes down. Yes, it was, and it's got a really catchy kind of vibe about it. It speaks to New Zealand. I mean, you can just see yourself cruising along the beach. Checking yep. that out, playing it with your with your brothers and your sisters. Um, I also like "Life Is Yours." Um, great organ and guitar, positive messages. Number one, up tempo, nice beats, fusion of hip hop soul, and then Fresh Boys featuring Scribe. It's a great club track. So there's quite a few tracks on here that I really really liked. Um, I guess yeah, there are one or two slight disappointments. Um, I wouldn't we read out the. Um, vocalist on the team. He's he's a great, he's also from Tauranga, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, he's a great, great singer, but he's got one track on here which is um, called It's it's Almost, and I just thought that was kind of overproduced. Now, that was the track that is solely him. Yeah, it's only it's him. It's just all, it's, it's almost like a, this is what you, this is a teaser to my next solo album. Exactly. I mean, I don't know, that's the feeling that I got when I was, rev- when I was listening to it, but yeah. yeah. I, I got that vibe too, so that, who knows, he might be dropping something within the next year, hopefully, because I think he's a great... Yeah, um, great vocalist. However, I thought this track was just, um, I don't know, overproduced almost. And he, his voice got lost within the weaving of different beats and all the, yeah. And so I just thought, what a shame. But hopefully he will be releasing something on his own and um, it'll be great to hear. So that's track 11 on Asian Mystic 99 AD. It's, it's almost solely with um, Awanui Reader. Did you get a sense that, did you miss hearing from Felicity, from Donald, from the rest of the boys? In that track? Mm. Not really. No, I thought it was a nice break. <laughs> I mean, I think these guys, they're, they're, they're good rappers, but I wouldn't say they're amazing. Like, the lyrical content is, on the whole, um, for this album, it's more focused around the club scene, the neighbourhood, and checking out nice women, <laughs> which is great. But it, it, they'd, I think they've lost a bit of their social commentary, which in their past really defined their albums, you know, talking about their histories, their parents' history growing up in Auckland. And I didn't hear much of that in this album. So the the rhymes, to my mind, were a bit light in that regard. But Was then, that a sense that they're trying to break away from perhaps a mould that we've put them into the whole kind of, here's a ukulele, let's talk about our culture, let's have some dollar fried eggs on a dollar bread? Because <laughs> that is so signature of Nisha Mystic, having yeah. been, you know, you know they're from Glen, uh, South Auckland. Yeah. So is that a, a sign perhaps that that's um, they're maturing as songwriters, or did you feel that no, nah, you miss the old Nisha Mystic? I think I miss, on the whole, I miss that old social commentary, but I see what I get that point. Um, I think it was, I guess, it's more American sounding, this album. So you could play it in the club in, I don't know, Atlanta or somewhere, and it would just be like, oh, yeah, we're these guys from Savannah. You know, like, there there was just a generic sound to them. So you could say that that that's them maturing, becoming more confident in the production, and moving outside of their, um, I guess, their traditional sound. 
Um, but for me personally, I preferred some of the more social commentary stuff where they're talking about their families and their histories and how they see the world. Um, that, for me, is the basis of what hip-hop is. Um, but again, this is kind of more of an R&B R&B thing, which R&B, you know, it's got that got that aspect to it, you know, up in the club, you know. So, yeah. Did you have any favourites? Any favourites? Um, I really like Life Is Yours. Um, I really like the organ, organ and guitar. Um, and then Number One was a nice track. It had a good fusion of hip hop and soul and electro. So those were two of my favourites. And then of course, Sun Goes Down. Um, as a nice catchy track. Hmm. In terms of lyrical content, so those were those were really solid tracks, those three tracks. But in terms of lyrical content, I really liked From Now. That was that was kind of more traditional Nisian mystic commentary. Yeah. Track thirteen, um, Alex is Sun Goes Down remix, and I thought that was quite a nice way to say, hmm. "Laters, the sun <laughs> has gone down on us. This is our final album. Here's a bit of Eddie's and uh, you know a few collaborations in that song." What? What's your thoughts on? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. You're kind right. Sad, actually. I was listening to it on my iPod, going, "Oh, the sun has gone down, but maybe not so. Maybe." Mm. I mean, I tried to find a bit more background information as to where the group's going now, or individual members, and they're not saying much online. Um, so it's hard to know. And yeah, it's an ode. It's an ode. I guess that that track is is like we've done it. The sun's going down, like you say, and we're gonna go off into new horizons. Um, but yep, the collaboration was cool. I thought they had a couple of MCs, other MCs on the album. Um, Fresh Boys featuring Scribe, that's the other single. That's a great solid track. But there's a track um, number 10 called Sacrifice, and that's featuring Wise. And I just thought, who is this fella? I don't know. I don't know if he's actually from Auckland. Did he rap in... Is he an Asian? Sorry, is he, is he Asian? Cause I think he, he is. He rapped in a language that was sounded Chinese. Yes, I think he is Asian. Um, and I just thought, where are the... I don't know. I, I was thinking, hoping a bit of a Shay Fu influence might come in where they're bringing other, I guess, artists from the from the community, a Polynesian artist perhaps, who might be coming up. I mean, Definitely. I just didn't find his lyrical abilities that uh, that amazing. And I thought, why is this fella on there? He's not adding anything new, you know, or adding anything solid. So they could have had Shay Fu on there. That would have been nice as a final album, you know. That would have been nice because he's been such an influence in these boys' lives. Mm, mm. So I thought the liner notes, um, just reading through through them, they some of them didn't match the lyrical content on the actual CD, and I was, it just came across as kind of budget, like they hadn't proofed the liner notes. Um, what do you mean, Alex? So what I mean is that some of the verse order in the liner notes didn't match the verse order on the actual CD, and there were some omitted um, sentences that were actually in the lyrics. I was listening to the lyrics and reading it while I was listening and I was like, hold on, that's not in the <laughs> that's not in this little booklet here. And I mean just that's a kind of a a pedantic thing to be doing, but um as a reviewer I was just thinking, you know, yeah, just trying to get some consistency there. And I was just a bit like but disappointed. Come on fellas, read your stuff, you know? That's this, right. You know? It just doesn't reflect that good. So I don't know whether it was hastily put together or what, but um that was just one little disappointment. And we need to, I think, point out to um, Alex is that this album, 99AD, is the first ever, the first, the boys' first album that's launched from their own record label. Okay. Arch Dynasty. Arch it's um, from Arch Dynasty, but the distributors Warner Music. So I think it's like the debut album from their own record company because they've become entrepreneurs along the way, they really. They have, they have. And they've got, um, they've been involved in a number of community um, initiatives too. So youth work, social work, um, things of that nature. Yeah, and they've got um, different business interests too, I think. Property, Property. investments. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and um, so they have 
well, you know, I've been told many a times that there's not a lot of money to be made in the music business, but certainly Niche and Mystic have um, taken, from the outset, looks like they've used some of their putia wisely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, would you recommend uh, 99 AD? I would. I would recommend it. It's a solid album. It's their final album. If you're a Niche and Mystic fan, buy it, get it, um, lock it down. It's a great summer summer album. Um yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a solid album. What can I say? Um, lacking a bit on the lyrical content, but hey, if you just want to kick it back and listen to some good tracks, kāpoi. Kia ora. Alex Barnes reviewing Nisha Mystic's final album, 99 AD. If you'd like some more background about this recording, go to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash We've posted up some links. There's also a photo gallery and you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. The experience of those speaking te reo Māori has changed over the years. For those growing up in earlier generations during the 20th century, the education system, government institutions and the wider cultural climate was often pretty negative. Things began to change with the presentation of a petition to Parliament about the place of the Māori language in the early 1970s. It was followed by the growth of the Kohana Reo, early childcare centres movement in the 1980s, and the creation of Kura Kaupapa Māori, primary and secondary schools using Te Reo Māori for all their classes. Wider attitudes to the language changed as well during that time, as the use of basic greetings and words have become more common among all New Zealanders, not just those expert in the language. The change has been gradual, but it's one that Paul Ransfield is keen to accelerate. Having begun to learn the reo very recently, he's keen to enthuse others who are in a situation like his. The result is Kāpai TV. This is an online Māori language resource where phrases in te reo Māori can be listened to and downloaded. When Justin Murray spoke to him, he didn't come alone. He brought his cell phone, a portable recorder, iPod and iPad. What you're doing, basically, the foundation is te reo Māori. So uh, how has te reo Māori... Um, played a part in your life? Well, it's been, for me personally, it's been a barrier to connecting to the stories, which uh, helped me to identify who I am. Um, I can vividly remember being on the ferry one day and seeing a grey-haired Komato saying, where are you from, boy? And, of course, I said, I'm from Christchurch, uh, having no understanding of how I would actually say, you know, I'm from Tukore here, I'm Whakapapa to Tainu. Did he ask you in te reo? <laughs> no, no, but I now know what that question means. Um, so uh, my wife uh, and I shifted to uh, Wellington in 2000, and because that was, an, that was closer to where my Whakapapa origins are, uh, and with her support... Um, I was able to start asking those questions again. Where am I from? Um, and to get face-to-face with some of my re- relatives and for them to sit me down and say, Paul, this is how it is. Did this happen much later on in your life? It was. So uh, certainly it was after I was 35. Um, and uh, I, um, and, But I still think that um, all through my Christchurch years I was one of those people going, are you my mother? Uh, trying to find out how I connected to those stories, which every, some of our community had, but I didn't seem to understand. So was that because, Paul, that you moved away from your homeland so young? And did you become, if I can say, slightly disconnected? Uh, certainly slightly disconnected, and certainly my own educational pathway meant that I was distanced from it. Um, 
I studied sciences and commerce, and um, at that time uh, there was still that uh, all that, um, that 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 was do the parkia, learn the parkia methods as opposed to any other methods, um, and so I did. Um, but there was still a gap, and uh, over the last ten years that gap has been been addressed. Uh, yes, um, I mean you are doing the mahi. You're closing that gap for yourself personally, but for other people as well through this. Oh, well, thank you for that. Um, and as a technologist, um, I'm really interested in the fact that um, you can use one resource many, many times. And that's the difference now with internet, say, even compared to radio, where um, it's hard for radio to reach beyond the distance of its transmitters. Uh, so we have podcasting. We have podcasting. Um, and I've taken podcasting one step further. I'm interested in uh, demonstrating the power of the schedule, and the schedule is what radio enjoys. So we know that the show is on at 6 p.m. Well, I also know that my learning content targeting food and recycling is on at the moment at 6 p.m., and at 5 p.m. it'll be food and literacy, and at 12 p.m. it'll be something else. So I can schedule my content, and that, I think, is useful for learning means we can all move together at the same time. Paul, before we go into um, Kapai TV, essentially, you mentioned the word technologist. What is a technologist? Are you a tech geek? <laughs> um, certainly I'm called that. Um, and um, uh, I live in a, my mind is in a very much a cons- in a digital or intangible space. Um, a lot of that is my own upbringing. I, I've always been a great reader. Um, and so I'd rather read than to touch. Um, and so that's what I, 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 I demonstrate all of that all the time. Um, yes. Is that what a technologist is? Well, I think really I've, I've got a background in engineering, so I'm actually more interested in how you design and develop something which is robust enough to um, withstand the, the, the push and shove of the day-to-day. And so that's what I've been working on as a technologist, how to make something robust. As part of being a technologist, um, I would imagine, given that it's um, it's a techni- techno-savvy world, you're always looking to the future ahead and what works now but for many years to come? Uh, well, n- I'd really like to, to say that that's the great thing about learning f- um, whakapapa, is that you look back and actually there's a whole wealth of development that we can just grab back from the last 20 years, which is still valid, which is still reliable, which is still robust. And that's the tool set that I'm using. Certainly there's tools which appear on your, on your desk every day and you go, oh, how can I keep up? But um, if we're looking to say how do we make the language more accessible, uh, then the toolkit that I'm working with was developed in the 80s and 90s. As part of radio and what we do, we're finding that so many people just find it easier to listen online. More um, so, maybe, dare I say it? Um, um, I mean, it's just, you know, millions of downloads that Radio New Zealand record, people from around the world are listening. Um, so it's very robust, actually. I listen to, you know, audio on demand, TVNZ on demand. Yes, well, and that's where um, I've made sure that I provide on-demand learning content. But I'm still suggesting that just like the, the bricks and mortar schools or university, it's easier for us to move our whole community if we say, uh, Auntie, uh, turn on the internet at 8 o'clock and we'll teach you something 
that relates to what you want to know at 8 o'clock. Then the next day, when you're around the Farikai, you can talk about that lesson. But on demand and learning, help, a little bit out of step. Right. And that's what I'm trying to say. Because if I learn something on demand and I go to the Farikai tomorrow, they, <laughs> they don't know what, I, what I'm talking about. So it takes a group effort. It takes full learning. Full learning. Uh, and that's a timeless thing that uh, the human race has found. We'll always find learning in groups. Paul Ransfield, I'm talking to Paul Ransfield here today, and um, let's leap into www.carpi.tv. What essentially is the website about? Um, Carpi.tv has 24 hours of scheduled content. So if you're a shift worker and you finish work at 2 o'clock in the morning, you can dial up Carpi TV. I'm having a coffee. I'm online. (laughs) And you can learn some te reo Māori related to something. Okay. And there's a schedule. So you know that at 2 o'clock you'll learn this in the morning. And then at 3 o'clock that lesson content changes. 4 o'clock it changes again. 5 o'clock it changes again. So, Paul, do I – I mean, you know, the TV guide has what time, which programs are on, 7 o'clock, Shortland Street. Do do I go onto this website and print out a schedule or um, a a listings of what I'm going to hear, essentially? I provide the lesson lesson schedule on my website. It's one of the things that you can click on, and it will tell you by the hour what the focus for that lesson is. But over time, there's no. I'm. I am expecting that people who have online schedules will use conventional media, like the newspaper, to advertise their content, just like radio advertises. And we do. The we newspaper. have a listing. Yeah. So let's um, shoot. Do you want to? So in front of me, we're in the studio. Paul, can you please name all your gadgets, Paul? <laughs> okay. So over here, I've got the fifty-dollar cell phone. And on the $50 cell phone, you can still download audio learning content. And on this particular cell phone, I've got the times table. Wow. Tahi, tahi, ka tahi. So that's a, a student from Linwood High School. I recorded her doing the times table in Te Reo Maru in 2004. Can you just play that once again, please, and just bring it up to the... Rua, tahi, ka rua. And that's just on so this is a student who we supported to help make some digital learning resources in 2004. So did you just record, I mean, it's a $50 phone. Um, people may think you can't do much with a $50 phone except for texting. So did you just record her? No, this sound file is like a podcast. So oh. you go up to the website and you say, I've got a $50 phone. Um, I can't view video. But right. I can download an MP3 file, right. just and just like you'd download a, an, a popular record, uh, audio track. So that's what you can do with existing technology. You don't have to have the flashest. But I have got a white iPod, iPod here, one of the yes. earliest ones. And on here, I have got Waiata. I've got all my diphthongs. I've got all the place names. So I can be sitting and listening to this with my headphones on. But they have been superseded, really, that that generation of iPod or media player. Because it doesn't have to be an iPod, but it just has to be able to show, you have to see things. And now I've got the modern iPhone. And on the modern iPhone, again, I can download content and do things. So I'm going to play a video off my website. Okay. 
from wow. cowpie.tv. Here I am. And let's see what this one is. So here's a video, and I've got a graphic of Barack Obama. And <laughs> I've, it's my voice saying, Haramai. But really, that's what we'd like, isn't it? That Barack Obama is able to say Haramai when he comes to New Zealand. Haramai. Haramai. What other gadgets have you got in front of you? Well, um, I've got a digital, a portable digital sound recorder, and these are under five hundred dollars, maybe three to five hundred dollars, and you'll find journalists with them. But I'm encouraging all Marae to equip um, themselves with one because this is what you're going to capture all the stories from your aunties. Yes. Okay, you can move up to them; they don't have to come into a studio. And then with that, you can record the audio directly. And if you want, you can turn it into podcasts. Because, I mean, there could be something like waiata to capture waiata lessons, to capture fai kōrero on the marae, where the kōrero is really, really rich. And in some cases, that needs to be kept as a taonga. Well, they, it needs to be kept as a taonga, but whether it's made public is another thing. Yeah. So um, I have, uh, with under the Matareo Fund from the uh, I'm going to be working with two marae and to teach ah motietia, which connects both marae, and I'm going to take that online. But within that, there will be some guidelines about when it's aired, yep. who can air it, how it's aired. Because um, when you talk about the World Wide Web, it is the world. <laughs> so there's those issues that you probably really have to not cross. Well, yes, but at the same time, if um, I've got Fano in, in London, and uh, if we want them to be able to do support us with this more in times of need, then they can learn within their home in London or New York and Fiji, uh, as opposed to trying to get to the Marae for one hour. You're not a linguist, are you, Paul? Uh, um, not by training. Yeah, but you have a deep. Um, a, passion, a passion, obviously, for languages. Well, certainly listening to the language helps me to un- just see how beautiful Te Rao Māori is when it is spoken correctly. Mm-hmm. And when we hear, when more New Zealanders hear it spoken as it can be, more people will come. Kia ora, Paul Ransfield, nō Kawa. If you want more information about his website, Kaupai TV, which brings learning te reo Māori into the world of the smartphone and iPad, you can find it at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. That's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. And while you're there, why not join our Facebook page and become a follower to get updates about the show or email us direct on teahika at radionz.co.nz. It's always great to hear from you. Aneira, a hardy Fraser with this week's whakatauki or proverbial saying. Kia ora, this is Hardy Fraser uh, from uh, Te Arawa, Ngā Puhi and Ngā Te Parau. And the whakatauki that I've chosen is He rangita matawhaiti, he rangita matawhanui. The person with a narrow vision sees a narrow horizon. The person with a wide vision sees a wide horizon. And simply it means that um, with a narrow vision you have very often limited ideas or limited views and the person with a wider vision is more embracing. Kia ora. Kia ora, Harima. 
Next week, we're devoting all of Te Ahikā to the issue of organ donation. Why is it tapu for some Māori, and should it be? Atsu i a rātou ke te kai whakahaere tapu-tapu, kia ora rā, hoi anō whānau mā, hoki mai hei tērā rātapu. Mai te whānau a te ahikā, kia tātou katoa, mauri ora.